0: If you have your Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, it'll be on the screen. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. There's one question that people often ask, and that question is this, is prophecy for today? Is it for our time? What about speaking in tongues? Did tongues cease? Did prophecy cease? Are the gifts of the Spirit ceased and done away with? And do we just rely on the Lord now and his word any longer? That question is often based on a teaching out of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. It's one scripture. It says, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. And whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. So what is the answer to that question? Well, I say that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I've thought about this, i thought about why would the Lord, and people say, well, once, he, he, once we had the Bible, once we had the canon of God's word, we no longer needed signs and wonders and miracles, we no longer needed prophecies and tongues and those things because now we have the word of God. Now think about that, just in terms of uh, just everyday common sense. I've now got a Bible and God's no longer going to do anything supernatural. He's no longer going to heal. He's no longer going to do anything supernatural other than bring salvation. I want you to think about that. So the question that people often ask is, is this for our time? Is this for today? And I say, yes, that it is. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 9 and 10 gives the answer. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. The argument is over that which is perfect. Well, I believe that which is perfect is the Lord Jesus Christ, and I believe Scripture always answers Scripture. So go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, and you can see it on the screen. Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know when he is revealed we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We live in imperfection. We live in in immortality, but one day we're going to see him and be like him for he's the one that is perfect. Now, that's not to minimize the importance of God's word. God's word is our guide. God's word is what we base our life on. It becomes the very foundation of our life. And God's word has to be a part of our life, not once a month, not every now and then, not on Sundays. But it should be a part of our life every single day of our lives. We should open up and read and study the word of God because God's word is very relevant to where we are today i believe god has called his church to be a prophetic people he's calling us to be a prophetic voice to this generation and the key to prophecy is maintaining a proper balance and understanding the biblical purpose of prophecy and you find the boundaries to that in god's holy word how many of you understand that number one god never contradicts his word It has to flow with God's word. Whatever's spoken, whatever's said, it needs to line up with the word of God. If it's out of alignment, if it's something contrary to that, I've had people come and tell me, Pastor, I heard a voice and the voice said this. I said, yeah, but the scripture says something different than the voice that you heard. So we judge it based on what the scripture says because that becomes the acid test. And if it's not lining up with the scriptures, then it's not a word from God. So the word of God sets the boundaries. It gives us the boundaries as to how prophecy will operate. Now, why am I saying that? Because there's always been excesses in every move of God's Spirit. There's always, been, there's always been extremes that happen in every move of God's Spirit. And what we have to do is allow the Holy Spirit through his word. And you need the Holy Spirit and the word together because the Bible says the letter kills If I try to take the word and and use it naturally without having spiritual discernment and letting the Holy Spirit open it to me, if I'm not careful, I'll produce legalism and bondage. That's where a lot of religion comes from, and people take the word of God and use the word of God to create legalism and bondage. Jesus didn't die for you and I to be in bondage. Jesus died for you and I to have liberty and live in freedom. So we're called to be a prophetic people. Second Peter chapter one verse four says, "By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust." I believe that God wants us to be like the sons of Issachar. In First Chronicles chapter twelve verse thirty-two, it says they had an understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were two hundred, and all their brethren were at their command. The sons of Issachar had a prophetic understanding of the times. They knew how God moved and worked in time. And all prophecy that is spoken, all prophecy has a timing involved in it. You say, well, I had a word and I never saw the realization of that. Maybe the timing was not quite right yet. Maybe we tried to move ahead of God in some regards. Maybe we tried to help God. Anybody ever tried that? So... What are you saying? I'm saying they had an understanding of the times. Prophecy will help us understand the times that we are living in. How many of you know we're living in the last days and these are perilous times? But we have to guard against extremes. We must guard against extremes, unbiblical approaches to prophetic ministry. We're to be accountable and we must examine the word of God concerning the different guidelines concerning giving and receiving a prophetic word. I think there has to be certain guidelines that we set. Number one, all words need to be judged. That's what the Scripture tells us. We test it. How do we test it? We test it based on the Word. We test it based on certain things. But we look for extremes, so we have to guard against extremes and excesses. Prophecy, listen to this, prophecy is not for our personal gain. Prophecy is not knowing what stocks to buy. Well, what's the stock market going to do? Well, thus saith the Lord, buy apple, it's going to go off the chart, you know. Now, there may be times when God speaks to somebody in that way and says go and buy a particular piece of property because he wants to do something in their life. But you don't use prophecy for your own personal selfish gain. What is prophecy for? 1 Corinthians 12, 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of who? All. Who is all? That's the church. It's not for my personal gain. Prophetic gifting is not being a psychic. I, I saw on the internet not long ago where these prophetic people were, if you just sent in so much money, they'd just send you a word on tape. Don't waste your money. This thing cannot be for our personal gain. Let me say this. This is not in our notes. But prophecy is not to puff me up in pride and make me wear a badge of pride that says, you know, that I have this prophetic pedigree and I run with these prophetic people and we're prophetic so we know things. It's not about that. It's about humbling yourself. It's about hearing from God. And it's about profiting the church. It is about benefiting the body of Christ. Everything that God does, he does for our benefit and for our good. He said in Jeremiah 29, 11, I have plans to what? Prosper, give you a future, give you a hope. Not to harm you. God's not in the harming business. God's in the hope business. So we have to guard against extremes. Listen to this from the New Living Translation. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Sometimes when you're struggling in life, sometimes when you're discouraged, sometimes when you're under an assault by the enemy, you need somebody maybe to come alongside of you to speak a word to you in that moment that creates expectation, that causes faith to jump on the inside of you, that causes your spirit to ring, and it does something in you that helps you look that problem in the face and know that God is bigger than that problem. It's help that God brings to us. So is God speaking today? Yes, God speaks today. Psalms 95 7 for he is our God and we are his people of his pasture the sheep of his hand today everybody say today If you will hear his voice now if God wasn't speaking that would read yesterday They heard his voice, but that's in the present tense The question is not is God speaking the question is are we listening and that's the way we are in life Sometimes we're so busy about our lives doing the things that we're doing that we tune God out and we don't listen to hear his voice Prayer should be 50% speaking and 50% listening. We shouldn't just always have talk and just lay our petitions out, but we ought to take time and get quiet in his presence and listen to what he would say to us. What does Hebrews 3, 7 says? Today, if you will hear his voice. God is speaking. So how does he speak? Well, let's go back over these. I've talked about these before. First of all, he speaks through the Bible. We hear God's voice to us when we read the word of God. The Bible is the litmus test for anything we hear. If we hear something contrary to the word, it's not from the Lord. So how does God speak? Well, he speaks in a still small voice. That's the inner witness, that inaudible voice that speaks directly into our spirits. Sometimes he speaks through other people. A word of prophecy, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. Sometimes God will just use somebody in a conversation to say something that will confirm something in your heart or it will cause faith to arise in your heart. He speaks through his creation according to Romans chapter 1 verse 20. Think about that. The sunrise, the sunset, the leaves that are supposed to be changing. He speaks through those things. He speaks through the seasons. How does God speak? He speaks through dreams and visions. And before we get through with this study, we'll talk some about dreams because it's a part of what we call the seer anointing. Joel 2.28, Acts 2.17. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Joseph was a master dreamer. Solomon, Pharaoh, Daniel, and Nebuchadnezzar. And listen, if you go to a counselor and there's a Freudian way to interpret dreams, that's based on psychology and it's based on the things of the world. But there's a dream language that is unfolded in the word of God where God will take the moment where you're quietest and where you're stillest and he'll speak to you in a dream. How do I know it's from God? Because you can't shake it. It causes you to question. And the Bible says it's the duty of a king to search out a matter. Some of the dreams I've had from the Lord I can remember just like yesterday. I can remember every detail of that dream. And I can't tell you the people that contact me and talk to me and ask me about dreams. And I I do my best with them to try to help them and try to put them on the right track. But dreams and visions. And really, a dream is a vision at night. has its own language. But a vision is something you have while you're awake. And most of the time, they're self-explanatory. They're not not in symbolism or or, or in in what we call dream language. They're just a straight-out vision. Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia crying out, come and help us. And he wanted to stay in Asia But instead of staying in Asia, he made the turn and he went to Macedonia, came to Europe. And that's the reason that many of us are saved tonight. Because Paul, in that vision, heard the word of the Lord and he changed his plans and he moved over into Macedonia and he preached the gospel into Macedonia. And much of the Western world today has been really, we've been saturated with the gospel. And we've had opportunity after opportunity that many in the world, especially in that 1040 window, in that window have not had that opportunity, have not heard the gospel. It was because of a vision that Paul had. Joseph, Solomon, Pharaoh, Daniel, and Nebuchadnezzar. In the book of Daniel, much of the end time is outlined and they were through dreams and through visions. God speaks that way through dreams and visions. How does he speak? He speaks through circumstances or experiences. God will allow circumstances sometimes to close a door that you thought was opening. And if God closes the door, don't try to open it. If God says no, even though you may be disappointed and you wanted to go through that door, do not go through that door because God knows what's on the other side of that door that we don't know. He speaks through angels. In Luke chapter 1, verse 11 through 33, Gabriel was the annunciation angel. He was the messenger angel. He came and spoke to Zechariah. He came and spoke to Mary. Then he speaks in an audible voice. I've never heard the audible voice of God that I'm aware of. I've heard the voice of the Lord so clear sometimes I looked around in the room to see if somebody said it. But it was more in my spirit than it was an audible voice. But I've heard testimonies. Somebody said, well, that's not scriptural. God don't speak in an audible voice today. But I've heard testimonies of people who've heard the audible voice of God. And there are places in the scripture where he speaks with an audible voice. Matthew 3, 7, he does that right there at the baptism of Jesus. So let's look at prophecy and let me give you a definition of prophecy. Because the seer anointing, to be able to see, it works through the gift of prophecy and the gift of discerning of spirits. Those are the two gifts that I believe that it works through. And in the Old Testament, many of the prophets were referred to as seers. But Let me give you a simple definition. It is speaking forth the mind and heart of God under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. To give an accurate word from the Lord, we must have both his mind and emotion as we deliver the word. A prophetic declaration communicates God's intent to fulfill His promises to us. Some years ago, it's one of the first times I'd ever been to what we would call a prophetic presbytery. And what they did is they put some chairs, like on this side of the church, and some chairs on this side of the church. And they had a team over here that was ministering prophetically to people. And in those times, we didn't have the recorders like we did. So we had a lady who was like a court stenographer. And man, she could, she could write as fast as they could talk. And she was writing all that down. And later, they typed it up and sent it to us so we would have a copy of what was spoken to us. Well, you had a a group, man, they was moving chairs and having a Pentecostal meeting over here. And over here on this side, where I was, we had, and they just kind of walk around with their hand in their pocket and prophesy like this, you know, just didn't raise their voice or anything. That was as much God as this was God. That had all the the makings of Pentecost as we would know it. This one was just kind of calm and cool and collect, but I'm going to tell you, they gave me a word that knocked me out of my chair. (laughs) It was powerful. We allow the Lord to use our personality And there needs to be some emotion involved. Somebody said, I don't like emotionalism. I don't like all that emotion. Listen, God created us with emotions. You can't hardly get in His presence sometimes without crying. You can't hardly get in His presence sometimes without rejoicing. Sometimes you just want to dance a little bit. Sometimes you want to shout a little bit. Am I preaching okay? And it's all right. It's all right to shout. It's all right to dance. It's all right to put your hand in your pocket and just prophesy naturally. Let the Lord use you. What I'm saying is there's got to be an unction to it. There needs to be an unction of the spirit that quickens it in our heart. And you'll know many times when you're giving a word over somebody that God's communicating something in their hearts because they'll have an experience of emotion. They'll start, tears will start streaming down their eyes. Why? Because the Holy Spirit knows things about you that nobody else knows and the Holy Spirit will touch that place of need, that place of hurt, that place of woundedness in your life and what will happen is is it will provoke an emotion with you. So a prophetic declaration communicates God's intent to fulfill his promises to us. Let me give you another definition. It comes from a Hebrew word, nebah, which means to bubble forth, to gush out or to pour forth, to boil over. The Greek word, propheteo, means to say or speak forth, to declare or to make known. Dr. Frank DiMaggio said prophecy is to build up the local church, to make the great stated truths of scripture become personalized in a real and given setting. Prophecy is a supernatural manifestation that enables a believer to bring a word of revelation directly from God under the impulse of the Holy Spirit. Prophecy will exhort God's people to righteousness, holiness, faithfulness, endurance, comfort, and sometimes even... A warning Dick Iverson who pastored City Bible Temple when it was Bible Temple in Portland Oregon and he raised up Frank Damasio he was his pastor he says this the gift of prophecy speaking under the direct supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit it is becoming God's mouthpiece to verbalize his word as the spirit directs and the Greek word "propheteo" means speaking forth the mind and counsel of God it is inseparable in its New Testament usage with the concept of direct inspiration of the spirit. Prophecy is the very voice of Christ speaking in the church. And that flows right into Revelation 19.10. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I'm going to read it again from the New Living Translation. For the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. Listen. If I speak the word of the Lord, it better lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. It is to speak forth the word of the Lord, and it will always exalt and lift Jesus. And why do we need to do that? Because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll do what? I'll draw all men near unto me. So Kevin Connor, and I've studied a lot of his materials. I love his materials. Kevin Connor was a great scholar from Australia. So if you have an opportunity to read any of his materials, I'd encourage you to do that. Listen to what he says. He said, with the restoration of the prophetic ministry, it's important to understand the nature of prophecy and some biblical distinctions in this realm. Prophecy as forth telling and prophecy as foretelling. Now let's define that. What is forth telling? This form of prophecy is in the realm of declaration. Prophets speak for God to the people. Communicating the mind of God for the present. Often the prophet will use the past to deal with the present. This realm includes exhortation, reproof, warning, comfort, and education. Prophet is a preacher and proclaimer of the word and the mind of the Lord. So this necessarily doesn't have a future element to it. It is for the present. So prophecy is more than just saying in six months from now you're going to do such and such or one year from now, or in the future. There's an element of forthtelling. Preaching has a prophetic element to it. Every time the word is preached, even though the person's preaching may not carry a, a prophetic mantle, the nature of the book is prophetic, and that is, a, that is a prophetic declaration that is being preached when the word of God is being preached. Some folks that don't even believe prophecies for today, God's using them to foretell because the word of God is prophetic. Am I preaching Okay full of prophecy, and the Bible says that prophecy is what, the testimony of Jesus. (laughs) So there's an element of taking the word and applying the word that has a foretelling. And sometimes this will be a word from God where God will say, here's my will for this, here's what I want you to do in this matter. then the second thing is foretelling. The aspect of prophecy foretelling is in the realm of prediction. The prophet speaks for God, communicating his mind, Concerning the future. Amos 3 7 says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. This is where God will give us a glimpse into the future. Now, let me say this about New Testament prophecy. New Testament prophecy that has to do with the future many times. Number one, we know in part. God only shows us part of the picture, and he shows us the encouraging part of the picture. He don't show us the hardships and the difficulties. Why? Because prophecy is meant to bring encouragement. So he uses it to encourage us. It's a nugget of truth to empower us to continue in our walk of faith. Listen, I would love for the Lord. We've got a whole generation today that's rewriting the Bible. they just rewriting it. Parts they don't like, they throw it out. Whatever lifestyle we want to do or whatever way we want to live, we just rewrite the Bible to fit that. And the Bible's lost its authority in many lives and in many places. It's relegated to being an outdated, outmoded book of just ancient history. That's going to lead to destruction. But the Bible says this, we walk by faith and not by sight. But along the way, we need encouragement, we need nuggets, we need help to encourage us in our faith. But God wants you and I to walk by faith and not by sight. We're looking for ease, we're looking, but that's not the way prophecy works. Foretelling has an element of future prediction in in the sense of that. Now, Rob Winner's definition says this, this is a present to truth definition. You said, I thought we was going to talk about the seer. We're getting there, I promise. A present truth definition. The edifying, exhortative, and comforting rhema word of the Lord manifested through preaching, prophecy, signs, dreams, and visions, producing throughout the body repentance from sin, restoration of hope, and direction for the future. I want you to look at that for a moment. The edifying, exhortative, and comforting rhema word of the Lord, not the corrective, mean-spirited, condemning word. Edifying, building up, exhortative, encouraging Comforting, which means help along the way. Rama, which means it's a right now word of the Lord manifested through preaching, prophecy, signs, dreams and visions, producing throughout the body repentance from sin, restoration of hope, and direction for the future. That's the present truth definition. In other words, that's what prophecy is for today. So why is prophecy important? He continues, prophecy is a heavenly invitation to a divine destination. Prophecy is a heavenly invitation to a divine destination. 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty nine: desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. 1 Corinthians fourteen three says, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. There's the whole purpose of prophecy. Prophecy is is important because like no other gift, it encourages, it defines destiny, which means it speaks to your potential. Do you remember when the Lord visited Gideon in the cave, hiding from the enemy, threshing wheat in the cave? He didn't say, hello Gideon. He said, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon looked around and thought, who in the world is he talking to? I'm hiding from the enemy. I'm fearful. If you remember, he, he was full of doubt. He put out fleeces But the Lord didn't speak to where he was. The Lord spoke to his potential. God don't always speak to where we are, but God will speak to your potential. You might be in the storm of the century. You might be in the battle of your life. You might be waging war with the enemy. And the Lord will come along and say something, and you think, what in the world was that about? He's defining your destiny, speaking to your potential. Prophecy, listen to this. Beth I like this one. It infuses hope. If there's anything we need, it is hope. There's three things the Bible says are eternal: faith, hope, and love. Faith works through hope, and love works through hope. They all three run together. It infuses hope, and then it also rebukes and admonishes. James Gold says, "Whether it is preached, truth, prayed, burden, or spontaneous utterance, a message is prophetic only if it brings its generation." into the knowledge of the heart of God for that time. But people today believe in the supernatural. If you don't believe me, just watch television. It's all about zombies and vampires and ghosts and supernatural stuff, all the time. The world believes in it. They have a slanted view of it. They have a misunderstanding of it. And the enemy tries to counterfeit what is real. He tries to hijack what God has created and he perverts it and twists it to use it in a way to bring damage and to bring harm. But God uses the supernatural in order to lift us up. And here's the thing. It should bring its generation into the knowledge of the heart of God for that time. Every generation is different. A different generation, a different world today. And God will speak to that generation in a language they understand. Because God's not all about Elizabethan English. He'll speak to them in the music that they, they connect with. He'll speak to them in a way that will touch them. So we have to have people of every generation who know, who give the word of the Lord and it should bring that generation into the knowledge of the heart of God for that time. I love that definition. So a prophetic person speaks the word of the Lord in the name of the Lord. He carries weight by the virtue of the ethical, moral, and spiritual urgency in his or her message. If God speaks a word to you, it should spur you to live right. It should spur you to pray. It should spur you to draw closer and to draw near to God. The word of the Lord is not to entertain us. The word of the Lord is not just to make us feel better in the moment. The word of the Lord, listen, it carries that weight of the ethical, moral, and spiritual urgency of the Lord's presence in it. It will have God's anointing on it. It will cause people to say, yes, amen, amen so be it so what do prophetic people look like i'm laying the foundation we're still going we're going somewhere and we won't get there tonight james gall in his book The come in prophetic revolution gives four pictures of prophetic people let me give them to you real quick number one a people of genuine faith and i want to just say this you don't have to be weird and hear from god and speak for god we don't have to act weird but we're a people of genuine faith number two they're pioneers taking new territory you want to tell you why? Because prophetic people are risk takers. The Bible said that apostles and prophets are the foundation of the church. They take new territory. And that don't mean necessarily new territory, it don't mean always geographical territory. It may be new territory in the spirit realm. Number three, they are messengers with a clear word. They have a word from God. And number four, they're members of a servant community. Listen, we got this thing backwards in the church. Everybody's trying to serve the man or the woman of God, when really God called us to be servants. That's not Jesus, folks. That's not the apostle Paul. That's not the New Testament. No, no, we're servants. It means we roll up our sleeves. That means we wash feet. That means we humble ourselves in his presence. If you're gonna be a prophetic person, you gotta be a servant of the Lord first and foremost. I'm gonna end with this particular thing. Nate and Christy Johnson, they're part of that company of prophets that God's raising up out of Australia. And when I read this, I thought this is so real, this is so right. They wrote this, and then I'm going to read you what he wrote beside it. Prophetic people, you were never meant to fit. That's been the problem. But prophetic people, you were never meant to fit. That's been the problem. You were always designed for family, but fitting a system was never your, your mandate. I want you to think about that. Here's what he wrote. He said, the wrestle for belonging is a legitimate cry of every living person, and prophetic people are no exception. I tried for 20 years to fit into places and systems in the hope that I would find where I belong, but I never found it. I see so many going through the same struggle and either forfeit the calling or leave the church, thinking it must be their fault. The reality is that while prophets can be part of a house, a church, and denomination, their calling isn't found just within those bounds. They're called to a global mandate, to many different mountains and nations. This is a new day for the prophets as we learn to belong to family while also following the call to nations. It is a new day for those who have felt on the fringes as the Father brings healing and family to those who haven't known it and permission to pursue the call again without limitations. If you wear that mantle of a prophetic person, it's a very different mantle. And that is an accurate description of what many feel. They just don't find the place where they fit.